morning, church. Everybody doing good? Come on, man. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We just got through singing about victory, man. I mean, those were some great songs and uh, great promises for us to cling to. If you're watching this online, man, welcome. We're so glad you're here and a part of it today. You know, we're in the middle of this monsoon. For you guys to make it out, that's a good thing, you know. I mean, it's been some rain here lately. And uh, so we are glad that you're here today. Well, we're picking up in our, our second part of a series that we started last week called The Battle of the Mind. And it's not only just the battle of the mind, it's winning the battle of the mind. You know, winning matters. We like that. And here's the thing is we have just got through singing about victory. And the battle belongs to the Lord. Just realize, you know what? Man, we know the end of the story. Jesus gives us victory. But too often, this is the problem, too often followers of Christ, Jesus followers, live defeated lives. You know, we walk around defeated and we're, we're beat down and... Man, we're negative. We're, we're always seeing everything is half empty. And so I'm praying that God is going to literally change some minds in the room today. And maybe for those of you that are watching online, He'll change the way you think. Because we have that ability available to us. It's something that we can do. And, and so too often we, we grow up thinking, you know, hey, well, this is just the way it is. This is the way that I was raised, Mike. And, and I'm just telling you, so too often we follow the wrong patterns. And so we look back and we go, well, that's the way I was raised or that's the way that I am. And we justify how we think. We justify how we react. And we justify things because, you know, hey, we don't want to really change. But as a follower of Christ, we have got to be willing to say, God, I want you to change me daily. Maybe even moment by moment as I walk through the day. But I want to be a little bit more like Christ, you know, tomorrow than I am today. That we should be saying, God, I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. I want to be like Christ. And so winning the battle of the mind. So th- th- last week we, we, we talked about this. Jenny Allen uh, wrote a book. It was called Get Out of Your Head. And this was a statement that she has in there. It says, how we think shapes how we live. And if you haven't picked up a copy of that, I would strongly encourage you to read her book. It's really good. And uh, it is life-changing. And so she is a, like I said, she's a speaker that speaks to women's conferences and stuff like that. But she was going through a dark time. For about 18 months, she just really battled this, this, uh, a demonic attack, if you will. And uh, she kind of lays it out in the books how it started. She was going to, excuse me, speak at an event. And uh, this woman walked up to her and just says, hey, we're coming for you. And it was a demonic, uh, you know, statement. And she said it was just the weirdest thing. And she said, and I didn't, she got brushed off, didn't think anything of it. Goes on and teaches uh, at the uh, conference. And she said from that point forward, for about 18 months, she was in this battle. And it was a battle of the mind. And, uh, and so she began to lose this battle of mind. She goes, here I am teaching. Here I am, you know, a believer, a follower of Christ. She said, but I was losing. Every night at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, she would wake up and battle these thoughts. And so, so anyway, she, she was able to literally, you know, hear God's word. And someone was able to come alongside of her and help her understand you have a choice. And so that was critical for her. And, and so I would say the same thing to us. There's some of you that you feel like you've been stuck in a battle. You've been stuck in a pattern of wrong thinking for a lot of years. And maybe it goes back to your parents and it's something they said or something they did or something they didn't do. Or maybe there was a trauma that happened to you. And all of a sudden you deform, you form this, this pattern of thinking that is negative. And man, it's, it's just toxic. And you think, well, Mike, I'm never going to change. That is a lie from, from hell, I'm just telling you. God says you can change. And so we've got to kind of get our mind around that. But the thing is, how we think shapes how we live. How we think shapes how we live. This is, this is from uh, Jenny as well. Look at this here. It says, our emotions lead us to thoughts. Those thoughts dictate our decisions. Our, and our decisions determine our behaviors. And then our behaviors shape our relationships, which lead back to our healthy or unhealthy thoughts. And so the thing is, is what we do a lot of times is we let our emotions make our decisions for us. You know, I mean, we, we, we ride emotions, and emotions are very, very unstable. It's a poor foundation to build your, your life on or your relationships on or anything like that. But a lot of us, and I'm an emotional person. I mean, you guys know, man, I, I can start talking about Jesus, and, man, I start weeping. That's just who I am. You know, and, and so I'm an emotional person. You might say, well, Mike, I'm an emotional person. You may say, I'm not really emotional. But here's the thing. You still let emotions dictate what you do and what you think. And so let's kind of look at this again. It says our emotions lead us to, to thoughts. So we, we have emotions. I mean, like yesterday, there was some football games going. I don't know if you watched them or not or if you even care about it. But in this state, it seems to be a big emotional deal. You know what I'm saying? And some of you guys, I mean, people were posting everywhere about how emotional the game was and how up and down and how that was a close one or whatever. Or either your team didn't win and, and so you're frustrated or your team's 0-3 or whatever it might be. And you're like, man, I just, you know, I, and so we're throwing out our emotions, Right. And so here's the thing is, you can watch a football game 
And you might have a big lead and you have a certain emotion. You get to the middle of the game, that emotion changes. You get to the end of the game, that emotion changes. And so if we base our decisions and how we think and how we live and how we do relationships on our emotions, man, it'll be everywhere. You know, and, and so it says our emotions lead us to thoughts. Those thoughts dictate our decisions. Our decisions determine our behaviors. And so we make decisions. We end up picking up behaviors. And look at this, this next part. It says, and then our behaviors shape our relationships. So our behaviors begin to affect and impact our relationships. So they're either healthy or unhealthy. And it goes back to our thoughts. And so what we do is we make a lot of decisions based on our emotions rather than what we believe. Hear, hear me say that again. We make our decisions or we think on things based on our feelings or emotions rather than what we believe. We just got through singing songs about we have victory in Jesus Christ. That the battle belongs to the Lord. And a lot of us sang that. We even clapped at the end. And we were like, man, that's a great song. But in your mind, you don't fully engage that because you let, you let your emotions tell you that you're losing. And you're a loser. And so we've got we've to say, you know, God, help me to not focus and build my, my thoughts based on my emotions, but on what I believe. And so we, we said this last week. Our mind is the battlefield. Don't miss that. Our mind is the battlefield. And, and, and so we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, help me to realize that there is a battle. I mean, we just got through singing songs about it, right? There's a battle. You know, we've been given victory. So we can't play down the battle and just say, hey, well, you know, I'm just going to think po- happy thoughts. I'm just going to think positive thoughts. That's not what it's about. I promise you that's not what it's about. What we have to do, though, is realize there is an enemy. Jesus talked about the enemy. He talked about the devil. He talked about he is the liar, the, you know, the father of all lies. That's what he does. It's his nature. And so Jesus addressed, hey, you have an enemy. You have a real enemy, Satan, the devil, the evil one. And so if you kind of play that off and push that off, say, well, Mike, you know, I wasn't raised in that kind of teaching. You know, I grew up in, we didn't really talk about that. Well, I'm just telling you, you missed out on some truth. Because God's word is full of the fact that there is an enemy. And there is a battle. And we have to be prepared for that battle. But here's the thing, we don't have to live in fear either. We can walk in victory. We can walk in freedom. We can no longer be a captive, if you will. So our mind is the battlefield. We have to understand that. We said this last week, 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life. 98%, I don't know about you guys, but that's an eight, man. That's, that's almost 100, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of it. So we think things enough, we start believing that. We start having behaviors. We start believing that, and it begins to affect us in every way. Even physically and behavioral, all those things are tied to what we think. Many people live as victims of their own minds, consumed with negative thoughts that seem to control them. Maybe that's you. Maybe you go, you know what, man, that's me. I, I'm always thinking negative. You know, I always see things as half empty. And you might go back and you say, well, Mike, that's the way I was raised. My mom was that way. My dad was that way. You know, and, and I'm a product of my environment. But you don't have to be. We're, we're, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so we can change the way that we think. We can change the way we think. We change the way that we live. And so we have that power at work within us. And so here's, here's another st- stat or whatever. It says 8 to 60,000. Like I said, Patrick off of SpongeBob Bob is 8 is the only thing I can figure. That guy's not a real thinker. But anyway, from 8 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And look at this. Again, and 80% of those are negative. So, so when we look at that, and the average is about 30 to 35 thoughts a, a day. That we, we have going through our minds. Some of you guys woke up this morning. Very first thing you thought of was, oh my gosh, what have I got to do today? It was already negative. You know, and, and so what we do is we think up with a negative thought. The next one leads into a negative thought. And before you know it, I mean, it, it, I don't even know what time it is, but you guys are probably already toxic this morning. You may have already had, had a knockdown drag out, argued or fussed, or are we going to church or not? You know, I mean, you're already there. You're already negative. And it doesn't take long because what we do, 80% of our thoughts are negative. And if we let that thought continue on, it leads to another negative thought. Before you know it, we're toxic. I mean, nobody wants to be around us. And, you know, we're just kind of we're just kind of going through the motions. But that is not what Jesus died for. And too many of us as believers, we live toxic lives. We have toxic relationships. And, and, and God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to have victory. I want you to have freedom. I don't want you to live as a captive. I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to be able to have healthy relationships. I want you to have relationships that honor uh, me and that, that draw us closer to one another. And so 80% are negative. We have a choice. If you don't get anything else today, you need to understand this. You do have a choice. There's so many times we just say, well, Mike, that's just how I am. That's just who I am or whatever. I'm just telling you, you have a choice. 
You can choose what you think on. And we've looked at this. You know, we talked about it last week. Even the Bible says that we have a choice. We can choose what we think on. Paul addresses it in Romans. He addresses it in Philippians. Hey, choose to think on these things. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. And so over and over, we're told that we have a choice in what we think on. And if we, if we can change how we think, it will change how we live. And so even science backs it up that if we will think positive thoughts, if we'll think positive thoughts, it begins to really develop a new pattern in our life. You know, you know we have this negative pattern that we grew up with. This is the way my family is. You know, we all had short tempers. We all yelled and screamed at each other. And you say, well, that's just the way I was raised. Well, you don't have to live that way. If you're a new believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a new, you're a new creation. So God has changed that, that old way of God. And you can literally change your whole pattern by changing the way you think. And some of y'all are thinking, wow, is that really available to me? Yes, it's a choice. I can choose to focus on what God's word says. I can choose to focus on the promises of God rather than the lies. And so here's, here's the statement. As a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to consciously choose your thoughts and replace ungodly lives with scriptural truths. So you can, you can choose to focus on the truth of God's word rather than a lie. And, and, what we, and it's just like anything else. I mean, we can, we, we can have two options. And we can choose to focus on one that is going to bring life, one that's going to build up, one that's going to help me to be a different person, maybe a better person, a better dad, a better mom, better friend, better whatever. Or I can choose to focus on one that's going to make me feel worse about myself and it's going to make me become toxic. And so we have this choice as a believer, as a follower of Christ. You have the power of the living God living within you. We just got through talking about the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The mighty name of Jesus Christ. There's power in that name. And, and whenever I call on that name and I have a relationship with him, he's placed within me the power of the living God. The spirit of the living God is living within me. Then I have authority over certain things. And God is saying, hey, listen, I need you to quit walking in these lies and believing these lies. And I need you to walk in authority that I've given you. You are my child. You, you're a part of my family. And you do not have to bow down to these lies. But we have a choice. We have to choose. It says we have to focus on what we believe and not what we feel. Don't miss that. Too often it's all about our feelings. You know, hey man, I'm all up in my feelings. I, I, I thought this was the funniest thing the other day. I was listening to the Auburn game. I think it was last week. And I, I'm, I'm driving down the road. I was going to do something. I'm, I'm listening to it on, on my, my phone or whatever. And... Uh, and anyway, they were showing an interview with Aaron Rodgers that Aaron uh, was doing on uh, Fox or whatever their, their, their channel is. And, and anyway, so she's asking him and he says, well, you know, they went out and they, they drafted a, another quarterback. And so I was like, well, just let them play. And, and, I, and so anyway, so I'm just listening to it. Well, the commentators that were commentating for the Auburn game, the guy goes, he goes, so Aaron's all up in his feelings because they drafted a quarterback. They just start dogging him out. And I'm sitting there thinking... Man, they are spot on. But I'm thinking they will never probably get another interview with him on that channel because these commentators are dogging him out. But that's exactly, he was all up in his feelings. And so what we do is we make so much of our life about our feelings. And, and it's just the wrong mentality sometimes, you know. And so we have to focus on what we believe. So for us as believers, we've got to ask, what, what do I believe about God's Word? Do I believe that I, I have victory or I'm defeated? Do I believe that I am a captive you know, that I will always be this way or that I have freedom in Christ? Do I believe that Jesus can forgive me even though I know I have blown it, I've messed up, or am I going to walk in unforgiveness? Do I believe what God's Word says about me that one day when I breathe my last breath that I will breathe my first breath of heaven? Do I believe that? And if I do, then I don't fear death. If anything, I look forward to the day that I'm in the presence of God. And man, I don't have to deal with this broken world anymore. But if I don't believe that, then I'm going to be in fear of what's going to happen here in this world. And so we've got to say, you know, God, what do, do I really believe? Do I really believe your word? Do I believe your promises? Do I believe the truth? And so we have to focus on what we believe and not what we feel. Because our feelings are what? They're everywhere. And they're super unstable. I mean, some of you guys can eat a bad meal and you're, man, I don't feel good. And all of a sudden your emotions, or you don't get enough sleep. I was just talking to Tony. You know, he's still struggling with sleep. Y'all pray for him, for his little girl to sleep well. Because he's, you know, he's talking about, man, I'm tired. You know, and it can affect you. You, you go without sleep enough, and dude, you can become a bear. You know what I'm saying? And so you've got to be able to say, God, help me to get the rest that I need. Help me to get the sleep that I need. And we've got, we got to focus on what we believe, not what we feel. This is what Romans says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So we've got to believe, hey, God can transform me. 
You might look back and you say, well, Mike, the customs and pattern of this world might be the, the custom and pattern that your mom and dad had. You may love your mom and dad, but you know what? It was broken. They were broken. They might not have even been believers. And if they were believers, maybe they were, they were carnal. Maybe they were, they, they were just living, you know, living a lie. They claimed to be believers, but man, there was no fruit in their life. There was no fruit of the Spirit. They just went to church. They were actively involved or whatever. But maybe there was no real pattern to follow that was godly. And so what we've got to be willing to do, God, help me to, help me to die to the, these patterns back here. God, help me to stay focused on what's, what you've got. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to stick to what your word says, not what the pattern of this world is. It says, then you'll learn to know God's, good, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who of us in here doesn't want to know what God's will is that's good, pleasing, and perfect? Too often what we do is we settle for just average or okay. And we really ought to, I saw this yesterday, someone said, hey, man, the best way to go to bed at night is to go to bed grateful. And the best way to wake up is to wake up grateful. Man, that's a change of thinking for some people, right? We go to bed and we talk about how tired we are and what we had to do today and everything. What if we go to bed and we go, God, I'm grateful that I have a job. God, I'm grateful that we have a home. God, I'm grateful that I have a bed. God, I'm grateful that I have a family. God, I'm grateful for the food that you've provided today. And we go to bed grateful and we wake up the next morning. God, thank you for a, a good night's rest. God, I'm grateful for today. You put breath in my lungs. I get to gather with the body of Christ. I get to do things today, God, that I didn't get to do yesterday. And we go to bed grateful but it says, then you will, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when we allow God to transform our thinking, and here's the thing, he transforms us by changing the way we think. It changes the way that we live. And when we change the way that we live, we see things completely different. And we begin to see the things of God, the blessings of God. And man, we're thankful. We're grateful. And, and so we've got to be able to say, God, help me by changing the way that I think. So the lies were told by the enemy. I'm going to, we covered these last week, but I want to hit them again real quick. And, and so one of the lies that we're told is we're told that I'm alone. And there may be some of you in this room, you're sitting here in a room of hundreds of people, but you feel alone because you're believing the lie of the enemy. I had a friend of mine who started a church in New York City. In New York City, you'd think, man, there's millions of people there. But he said, it's the loneliest place in the world. He said, all we have to do is say that we're having community groups and everybody wants to be a part of it because they're living in this huge city, but there's no real community. And he said, when we do community groups, he said, we have more people come to community groups than we have come to church. And so what we can do is we can believe the lie that we're alone. You know, if you look around the room, we've got these life group tables set up. We had them set up last week. And you go, well, I'm alone. No, no, no. There's people that want you and they're inviting you to come and sit down in their home. And they're inviting you to maybe learn from God's word. They're inviting you to come and gather so that they can share, share maybe a meal and maybe pray together. And they want you to be a part of it and say, hey, listen, you don't have to be alone. We want you to come and be a part of it. And then, like, we've got man camp coming up. You know, and I would just encourage all the men in the room to go ahead and register for man camp. We need you to register so that we can plan well. And last year we had about 70-something guys there. And there's some of you that are going, well, if I go out there, they probably won't like me. Or if I go out there, they're probably doing stuff I don't really like. But it's a place for you to connect with other men that are trying to become godly men who lead their families well. And that they want to really honor God with their life. And they want to share the love that God has shared with them with other men. Say, hey, listen, man, you're not in this alone. We're in this together. We are the body of Christ. We are a band of brothers. And so I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're one of those men who go, well, I'm a little bit scared to go, go ahead and get over that. God has not given you a spirit of fear, right? And if, if your wife has to sign you up and send you like a little kid, go ahead and sign him up and send him in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, pack his clothes for him, whatever. But get him there where he's not alone, but he's around other men who are trying to be godly men that are leading our families and trying to make a difference in our community. So don't buy the lie that I'm alone. But I'm just telling you, we, we, we embrace that sometimes. Jesus says it over and over, hey, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The passage we read last week at the end, God, you're with me. Psalms 93, we're going to read it in a few minutes. But we've got to understand we're not alone. That's a lie. Here's another one, I'm unlovable. To sit there and go, you know what, man, I'm unlovable. You might, you say, Mike, I've got so many broken relationships and everything, everything, everything seems to fall apart. You know, and, and maybe you've got some issues, I get that. But here's the thing is, you are loved. In your brokenness, on your worst day, God loved you enough to send His Son Jesus to die on the cross, to bleed out His blood, and to wash you white as snow. On your worst day, He loved you with an everlasting love. And so you are loved. 
And there's people here that love you, that want to see you grow and want to see you become a faithful follower of Christ that is living a healthy life that is filled with the very fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. That's what we're wanting to see. I, I, I was sharing with my wife last night, Laurie, we were talking and it was a something that came on. It was talking about maybe helping people that are caught up in addictions and stuff. And, and, help, and I, I love ministries like that. Like John Bowman in our church leads a ministry here in town that helps people come off addictions and helps them, you know, uh, get educated on how to do jobs and how to do interviews. And I was like, man, I love people that love people enough to help them. And so I'm just telling you, you're lovable. There's people that go out of their way that their whole call in life is to love on people that don't feel loved. And so that's a lie from the enemy. Here's another one. I'm worthless. We, we go through life and you feel like, hey, when my dad told me I'd never measure up, I'd never be anything, I'd never accomplish anything, I'd never do this, I'd never do that. So you believed your dad or you believed your mom that said, hey, you'll never be enough. You'll always be broken. You'll always, you'll whatever. And maybe someone told you, hey, man, you're just a loser. You're a quitter. It's all you do. You're just a quitter. You're a loser. And you believe that lie. Not, and the enemy lied to you through them and you believed it all this time and you keep going, they're right. I never do. I never this. I never, I never finish anything or whatever because you're believing that lie. If you remember last, last week in Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are a masterpiece. So God's Word, the truth of God's Word says that we are a masterpiece. And I don't know about you, but a masterpiece is one of those things that you go, all right, that's a one of a kind. That's an incredible piece of work right there. That's not just a print. That's, that's not just kind of a copy. That is something special. And so God says that we are incredible. So, so you're not worthless. Man, you're, you're a masterpiece. Here's another one. I'm helpless. We, we hear that and we say, you know, Mike, I'm helpless. You know, I'm, I'm going to always be this way. That's a lie. And if you believe that, hey, I can't change. If I've tried before, man, maybe you're trying in your strength. But what if you let the power of God work in you? What if you surrendered your life and said, God, you are the one that will fight this battle. And God, I'm just going to do what you lead me to do. And I'm going to do what only you can do. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you to do what only you can do. And so as we lean into him, we go, you know what? I'm not helpless. But I have the power of the living God living within me. Can you get your mind around that? That we have the God of the universe says, hey, listen, you're, if you put your faith in Christ, you're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. And I'm going to place within you the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And so, therefore, I have the power of, the, of God at work within me. Resurrection power working in me. And, and literally, he said, hey, listen, you have authority in you. And so we've got to get our mind around it. The Spirit of God lives in me. And not... Just, you know, just release that and kind of ignore that. We've got to go, God, I'm going to embrace that. That there's power at work in me. So I'm not helpless. Let's look at the 23rd Psalm. We looked at it last week. And I want us to kind of unpack it a little bit today. And I'll share with you where we're going. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. I love that beginning. And, and I hope that God redeems maybe this passage with you. For me, you know, for years, this was kind of like a funeral type passage. Or this was a going through a tough time type passage and you just needed to kind of claim this or just realize, hey, you know, that God is there, you know, in the midst of it. But it's more than that. And I hope that it, I hope that it means something more to you today when we get done. And maybe as we walk through it over these next few weeks, you'll begin to look at, you know, Psalms 23 and you'll go, you know what, it's more than I thought. It's kind of like, you know, the song we sang a little bit, he, he, he's bigger, or we're going to sing a little bit, he's bigger than I thought you were. God, you're bigger than I thought you were. And, and it changes our perspective because here's the thing, it's changed the way we think about that verse, or it changes the way we think about our shepherd. So the Lord is my shepherd, I, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, I love just the picture of that. And maybe like, you know, like me, you grew up reading that passage. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So we're not alone. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He fights the battles for us. And so we've kind of got to get our mind around, you know, I, I don't have to just continually fight this battle and be so weary. I can release it and trust him because he's the one that fights the battle. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so let me kind of share with you a little bit uh, about this passage. And a little bit uh, of, of what uh, God, I feel like, has led me through over the last few weeks and stuff. Uh, when we were on our sabbatical, Lori and I went to a church over in Atlanta. Where a guy named Louis Giglio is the pastor there. It's an incredible church. 
Uh, but Lori, whenever she was back at Baylor, her freshman year of college, uh, Louie had a ministry called Choice Ministries, and he taught there. And, uh, and she was under his teaching and just an incredible communicator. And then when I was in student ministry for 15 years, Louie was always at conferences and things like that speaking. And so I, we've known him for a long time. We've even done Disciple Nows together and stuff like that. And so it's kind of a... You know, a, you know, a guy that we've known a long time. So we wanted to go check out the church. So that was one of the churches we went and visited. And it was, it was obvious that that was where we were supposed to be that day. And it was a great message. But, and there was these books on the wall and I didn't, I didn't notice, I noticed them, but I didn't get one or anything. And, and so anyway, so we, we leave and we get back. And anyway, so, uh, I, I'm trying to find the message from that Sunday because there was something I wanted to hear. Uh, and anyway, so I see this message on this book that he's got out. And so what Louis does, he's, he's telling the story of whenever they planted that church. And, uh, and, and so he's in Atlanta. He's going to a church with a friend of his. And he'd been on staff there for years, traveling all over and doing all this stuff. But anyway, he felt like God was leading him to plant a church. And so he met with a friend and, and said, hey, this is what I feel like God's leading me to do. And they said, hey, listen, it'll be the toughest thing you ever do in your life. And he said, he's thinking like, yeah, whatever, dude. I, I mean, I've been in ministry all these years, you know, and so I know tough situations. And he said, man, I didn't realize how true those words were. And uh, so in, anyway, so he's planning this church and he's, he's planning this church and he's kind of getting everything going. He, he came under attack. And, and so people began to attack his character and began to come against him. And, and he said, man, he said, it just got really ugly. And he said, it was just painful. And, and uh, he said, it was dark. And uh, he said, so it got to the point, he said, where I was waking up every night at the same time. He said, like two o'clock, he says, my eyes would come open. He said, I would stare at the ceiling and all these negative thoughts just kept going through my mind. He said all these attacks and how I was going to deal with it and how I was going to deal with these who are attacking my character and everything like that. He said, and it was just, he said, it was just a horrible time. He said, it was just a darkness. And, uh, he said, and so anyway, so time, a few months had gone by. And anyway, something came out. There was some kind of announcement that was made that vindicated him. And he said, and I felt like, you know what? Hey, you know what? I, I had been vindicated. And uh, he said, I, you know, they were, they were wrong. I was right. I want everybody to know. And so he gets his phone out and he begins to text to a fr- that, this friend of his. He begins to text to this friend telling, hey, man, you know, I don't know if you saw the news, but hey, this came out and I've been vindicated and da 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 da. He said, he's wanting someone to commiserate with him over what has happened. And so he, he said, he sends it. He said, he's looking down. He's just kind of watching. Like, all right, I want to hear what you got to say. He said, and I don't want an emoji. I don't want a thumbs up. He's thinking, I want you to say and agree with me and tell me how right I am and all this stuff. And he said, and he said, I, I see the, the deal moving to where, hey, you know, they're, they're responding. He's like, all right, there's something coming. He said, and then all of a sudden he said, I get this statement right here. He says, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And he's sitting there and he said, he's looking at his phone. He's like, do what? After all I've been through and, he, and, and this person has had my back. He said, you know, I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm like, that's not what I was expecting. He was wanting someone to kind of, and we, we're like that, don't we? Whenever, you know, hey, we're, we're in a pity party. We sure love for people to come share the pity, right? And kind of tell us how bad it is and how tough it is and all this kind of stuff. And he said, man, he said, this statement penetrated my heart. And he said, it was like, what? Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And he said, he's, he stood there. He said, he kept going. He's right. He's right. I, I. I'm focused on the wrong thing. And so as he began to just dwell on those nine words, he said, these nine words changed my life. He said, and it changed my thinking. And, and I'm just telling you, man, he said, it just, it ro- just rocked his world. So here's a quote from, from Louis. He says, the enemy had taken a seat at my table and I was allowing myself to listen to a killer. Do you ever think about it like that? That whenever you sit there and you entertain these thoughts that are coming at you that are, that are not of God, they don't line up with scripture, they're, they're, they're not congruent with God's word. But if anything, they're in conflict with God's word and we continue to listen to him and we continue to buy into it. We, we're listening to a killer. We're listening to a liar. We're listening to a murderer. And he, so he says, he said, I, I was allowing myself to listen to a killer right there in my driveway. I determined to ba- take back my table. The devil would have to flee. And so he, he, these nine words penetrated his heart, kind of changed his whole perspective on how he was looking at things. And, and he said that the passage that really stood out to him as he began to study Psalms 23 was this one. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, you know, and, and, and so that you think about the picture of that is that whenever we look back at that, you know, we see that, you know, God, you know, I have everything that I need. He is my shepherd. So Jesus is the good shepherd. So David is the one that writes this. King David is the one that writes this. Many guys know who King David is. He fought Goliath. 
You know, and so we go, all right, David and Goliath, David fought Goliath, defeated Goliath. Well, even when David went out to see, to check on his brothers and to take some food to them, he gets there and Goliath is coming out and he's taunting the enemies of the living God. He goes to the king and he says, hey, listen, I'll fight this Goliath. I'll fight this giant. And they're like, man, you're just a boy. You know, the king says, you're just a boy. He said, hey, listen, when the lion or the bear came after the sheep, he said, I would take a club. I grabbed him by the hair. He said, and I would take them out. He said, I'll do the same thing to this, this Philistine. And so literally David goes out and defeats Goliath. And it's just an incredible story out of the scriptures. But that same David was a shepherd. And so David understood whenever he writes the 23rd Psalm, what it was to be a shepherd. And he said, hey, listen, and let me just say this. When the Bible talks about us being sheep, it is not a compliment. I hope you guys understand that. Sheep are pretty dumb. They have to be led from one place to the other. They have to be made to lie down in green pastures. They have to be led to water that they will drink from because they're afraid of certain of running water and stuff. So David understands all this. So he's speaking from experience. But he's saying, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he gets this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so what Louis was thinking, he said, man, he said, there's this table. There's in some scriptures that says there's a banquet or a feast and we're, we're invited to sit at this table with the great shepherd. That's Jesus. And so he said, man, it's not just like, you know, just finger foods. He said, I'm talking about it is a spread. It's an incredible thing. It's all this incredible stuff. And we get to sit down with the son of God. We get to sit down with the great shepherd, Jesus. And he said, and I realized, he said, what I was doing, he said, I'm sitting at this table, looking at this passage. He said, I'm looking at this. I'm going, all right, I'm invited to sit at this table with the king of kings and Lord of lords. I'm, I'm able to sit down with the Messiah, the promised one. I'm looking at him. But yet the enemy comes up, begins to whisper in my ear, and I take my focus off of Jesus and I begin to look to this enemy, this killer, this murderer, this liar, this father of all lies. And I begin to give ear to him and listen to him and actually invite him to sit down at the table with me when I'm sitting with Jesus. And he said, you know, the problem is, he says, man, I had taken my eyes off of Christ and put them on the enemy and his lies and believing what he was saying. And so, so here's the thing. The task is to focus on the good shepherd. You know, and I don't know about you guys, but there's so many times whenever what we do, want to do is we want to focus on what's no, what, no, what is not going right. Hey, whatever's going wrong, that's what we focus on. Hey, somebody doesn't like me, that's what I focus on. Something is not going as I hoped it would. We focus on that. Not on the good shepherd. We don't focus on the good shepherd. We focus on everything else. We focus on the sin in someone else's life. We, we focus on their sin and what they did. Not our sin, not our offenses with the shepherd. And so we don't focus on the shepherd. We focus on everything but him. And oftentimes what we do is we focus on the enemy. We listen to the enemy. We listen to the lies. Hey, I'm alone. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to call somebody up to tell them how alone I am. And, and so we, we, we just literally commiserate with the enemy. And we sit there and we go, yep, yep, yep. And we listen. And our focus should be on Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I mean, that, that's something that I feel like God has been reminding me of and teaching me. I, I was just talking with one of our uh, families in our church is leading a, a group called The Chosen. And I don't know if you've seen the videos the, called The Chosen, but in that video, man, it just has really helped me to see the humanity of Jesus. And there are times when I see Jesus high and lifted up. And let me tell you, that's a good thing. But there are also times when I need to be reminded that he was human and that he had flesh and he had feelings and he, and he, had, he had nerve endings that hurt. You know, and so... I'm reminded that, you know, he joked around and he had a relationship with people. And in that video series has helped me to see the humanity of Jesus. And, and so for maybe for you, there's times I need to sit down and realize, you know what? Hey, I want to sit down and have a conversation with Jesus. I, I want to focus on Jesus. I want, to, I want to be able to share with him maybe the things I'm excited about and the things that I'm struggling with. And maybe for some of you, when you pray, you feel like you've got to do this presentation and it's got to be a, a good oral report to God. And he's going, that's not what I'm looking for. I want a relationship with you. I want to just be able to sit down and talk with you. And, and the shepherd just wants to meet with me. He's invited me to sit at this table. And here's the thing we need to understand. The enemy is walking around trying to do everything he can to destroy us. But look, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It says, hey, he's with us. We're not alone, right? And it says, your rod and your staff will comfort me and protect me. And so the rod was what the, you know, the shepherd used to fight off the enemy. So that's, that's God's battle. So we know that, you know what, God is fighting my battles for me. So we're able to say, you know what, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this battle to you. I'm not going to sit here and just waller in it. I'm going to give it to you. The staff was to literally to separate the sheep and to pull them out, to pull them out of trouble if they got into trouble. But here's the thing we need to understand. I don't need to be afraid. 
And there's some of you in this room that you're living in fear, man. You're, you're afraid of anything and everything that could go wrong. And, and God said, hey, listen, I did not give you a spirit of fear but or timidity, but a power and a sound mind. And so you're living in fear. You're afraid your marriage is going to fall apart. You're afraid your job's not going to work out. And you got to say, you know what? I'm not going to live in fear. God is with me. I'm trusting Him. And I'm trusting with every step that He takes or that He leads me to take. I'm trusting God. So we don't have to be afraid. Here's another one. The shepherd is at the table. And, and we need to be reminded, you know what? Jesus is wanting to meet with me. He's wanting me to sit down and talk with Him. And so there's so many times that we're focused on everything else and we forget who's at the table. We forget who's at the table. And this is what we need to understand. It's, it's not what's on the table. It's who's at the table. Like when I get to go out for dinner with my wife, I love to be able to sit down and spend time with her. And we like food. Now, we like food a lot. But the thing is, it's not about the food. It's about being with her. This past Friday night, we got an opportunity to go out to dinner with uh, some of our friends. We hadn't been out to uh, dinner with them in years. And, and so we were sitting down and we were talking. And the food was good. I mean, it was really good food. But the thing is, it was the fellowship and it was catching up and, and the relationship and it was who was at the table. You know, and the cool thing is they even picked up the bill. It was even better. You know, like, praise God. Amen. That was awesome. But I'm just saying that, man, it's who's at the table. The shepherd is at the table. Jesus is inviting you to sit down with him, to have conversation with him. Let him love on you and just, man, hear what's going on in your life. And, and man, we, we literally will give that up to talk to the enemy and listen to the enemy. We're not alone. He's with us. He's, he's, he's with us. He's right there. Louis said this. He said, I couldn't stop the devil from prowling around my table. But in Jesus' name, I definitely have a choice whether I allow the enemy to sit down. Don't miss this. Every one of you, myself included, we have a choice. I can't stop the enemy from trying to attack my family. I can't stop the enemy from attacking my church. I can't stop him from doing whatever he wants to do. He's prowling around. God can stop him. And here's the thing, though. I have a choice as to whether or not I invite him to sit at the table. If I give ear to him, here's the thing. It's going to impact me and it's going to impact my decisions. First Peter says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I think it's important for us to live aware. Now, I'm not going to focus on the enemy. I'm not going to sit here and I'm, you know, I'm going to just focus on him. Now, I'm going to focus on Jesus who has already defeated him. But what we have a tendency to do is we focus on the enemy and what he says and his lies and all this garbage. And we miss out on the promises of God and the fruit of the Spirit and the Word of God that sets us free, that changes the way that we think. And so that's what we've got to focus on is the shepherd, the great shepherd. And so when I focus on those things, it, man, it gives me a whole different perspective. Changes the way I think, changes the way I live. So I need to be aware that there's an enemy. And you know, I tell Lori all the time, hey, whenever you go, whatever, you know, be aware of your surroundings. And whenever I'm out and about, I try to be aware of my surroundings. I'm always kind of on alert. Doesn't mean that I'm worried or afraid, but I'm just trying to be alert. So that's what the Bible tells us to do. If the enemy can claim the victory over your mind, then he can eventually claim the victory over your life. That's truth. If you keep giving him the ground, if you keep giving him your thoughts, if you keep giving him FaceTime and you keep giving him everything that you can give him, he will destroy your life the best he can. And you have, you have a choice. You've got to say, you know what, God, I'm going to focus on the things of God. God, I'm going to focus on the kingdom of God. God's Word can transform your thinking. Don't miss that. God's Word can transform your thinking. We used this passage last week, and Romans has already told us that it will, will do that. But for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power is God's power at work within us. We sang about it a while ago. There's mighty power in the name of Jesus Christ, and He has given us authority to be able to tear down strongholds. To tear down the lies of the enemy. The strongholds of the lies that you have believed for so long that you don't feel like you can do anything there. God's power can tear those strongholds down. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that comes in conflict with God's word, we tear it down by the authority of Jesus Christ. It says, and we, and it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, I said a while ago, we have thirty to 35,000 thoughts a day on average. And you go, Mike, that's a lot of thoughts. But if we take one thought, and here's the thing. Remember, 80% of them were negative, so 20% of them are positive, right? 
Twenty percent of them are good. So we keep those positive thoughts, but we take those negative thoughts, those those thoughts that we know are a lie. And we take that thought captive. We say, you know, this is a lie from hell and I, I'm putting it at the foot of the cross. And Jesus, under, in the name, mighty name of Jesus, I am binding this from my mind. God, help me to take this out of my, my thinking. God, I want to focus on you. Not this lie. I'm not going to believe the lie. I'm taking it captive. I am literally, in the mighty name of Jesus, throwing it down at the foot of the cross. And Jesus, I know you can handle it. You can destroy that thought. The king of the universe is inviting you and me to sit, sit with him at his table. Think about that. The king of the universe is inviting you to sit down. And, and, and we get up and we rush through our day. We take off every morning. You know, we jump up, we hit up, get a shower, and we're gone. And he said, hey, listen, I just want to sit down with you. Maybe, maybe, you know, you think about like a little breakfast table. He just wants to sit down. Hey, I want to just talk to you. I just want to bless you. Man, I want to, I want to, I want to encourage you. I just want you to know, man, I love you. And we rush right past that. And what we do is we start listening to everything else. We get on social media and we look at somebody else's life and we see how good their life is. Because the first thing you start with is Facebook, really. It's not the Word of God. It's not quiet time. It's, it's, hey, let me get caught up and see what I missed. And what we do is we jump on whatever it might be or Instagram or Facebook or social media. And we see how our life doesn't measure up like everybody else's life. And then we start going downward in that spiral going, I wish I had been able to go there. I wish I could have gone to the game. I wish I'd have been able to do that trip. I wish, you know, and we start spiraling down. Because we're choosing to think on those things rather than going to God's words. Hey, listen, I've got a purpose and a plan for you today. You know what? I'm going to put somebody in your life that you're going to get to share the hope of the world with today. You know what? There's somebody in our, in our church that's going through a tough time. I'm going to give you the opportunity to prepare a meal for them. And you're going to bless them. And you're not going to believe what it's going to, make, what it's going to do for you. And so what we do is we miss all that. We miss meeting with the shepherd. Because we're listening to the lies of the enemy. And instead of sitting down with Jesus, we invite the enemy to sit down. And we want to commiserate with him about how bad it is. He's like, man, I don't blame you, dude. I wouldn't put up with that. I'd get out of that relationship. I'd, I'd do whatever. And we listen to him rather than listen to the great shepherd who says, hey, listen, offer forgiveness. Hey, hey, listen, serve them. Bless them. He invites us to come and sit at his table, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're letting the enemy sit at the table and talk to him rather than focus on the great shepherd. says you have power don't miss that if you're a believer if you're a follower of christ if you've received jesus christ for salvation you have power within you you have power through jesus christ to take authority over who sits at your table over who influences your thinking you have power you have a choice you get to make that decision we get to be the dj of our mind what we think on we can we can say no i'm not going to think that I'm not, going to, I'm not going to entertain that thought. That is a lie from hell. I'm not going to believe that any longer. And maybe for some of you today, you go, you know what? Mike's right. Today I'm going to make a change. I'm going to quit thinking that way. And I'm going to think in a way that honors God. I'm going to think in a way that it literally allows the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And I'm going to live a life this week that's filled with the love of God and the, the joy that only God can give and the peace and the patience that only God can give. I'm going to live that way this week. So you have that power. But here's the thing. You have to choose to sit down at the table. There may be some of you in here today, you've never chose Jesus. You might say, well, Mike, I've been coming to church. That's not what I said. Maybe you're watching online and you think, well, you know, Mike, I, I watch church and I go to church when I can. But I'm just telling you, there's something about surrendering our life to Jesus. It's completely different. But when we surrender who we are and everything that we are, and we surrender. We say, Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. And Jesus, I'm broken. I'm in need of a Savior. Jesus, my, my thinking is broken. I mean, my thoughts are corrupt. My thoughts are wicked. And he goes, I know. He said, but I can change them. And I can change you. And so I just want to encourage you today that, man, he, he's inviting you to sit at the table. But you have to choose to sit down at the table. You have to choose to receive the gift of eternal life. You have to choose to, to engage with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a choice. If you're here and you've never, you've never surrendered your life to Christ, today is the day of salvation for you. Choose to sit with the Great Shepherd. Maybe you're watching online. Today is the day to choose to sit down with Jesus, to invite Him into your heart and to live for Him. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you just to ask yourself that. Have, 
Man, have I ever surrendered my life to Christ? Am I just religious? Do I just have church? Am I just busy for God? You know, the Bible talks about, our, about the right kind of soul, the heart having the right kind of soul. You know, there's, in, a, in that teaching that Jesus is talking about, he says that it falls on good soul, it, has a great, it produces a great crop, and a hundred times what was sown. But it talks about the path that's hard. And oftentimes the Word of God, like we can read the Word of God today and it can fall on your heart. And you can go, boy, that's a good Word. But it doesn't penetrate your heart. It never gets through the hard soul. You've got to be willing to say, God, change the condition of my heart. God, I want my heart to be good soul today. And I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to receive the Word of God. And I want it to produce fruit in my life. And so maybe for you today, you go, you know what? That's, that's my need. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? That's your prayer. Just, just pray that prayer. Say, Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. There are many. And Jesus, I want you to soften this old hard heart. And Jesus, I want to, with all the faith that I have, I want to ask you to come into my life, to be my leader, to be my Lord. I surrender. I give you everything. I give you my thoughts. I give you everything. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. That's turning to Him. God desires a broken and contrite heart. He he loves repentance. And so, if that is your prayer, you just pray that prayer. You ask Christ to come and live with you. The Bible says that you are His child. You're adopted into His family. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and the blood of Christ never to be erased. And so now, you have the Spirit of the living God living within you that literally gives you the power and authority to say no to the thoughts and no to the lies. You are a new creation in Christ. By faith and faith alone. And so if you just prayed that prayer, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that was me. I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand. Raise it high so I can see you. I just want to pray for you. I see your hand right back here. Anybody else? Just raise your hand right here. I see your hand, brother. If you just prayed that prayer, both of you who just prayed the prayer that I see, and I, don't, I may not see everybody's hand, but here's the thing. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family. Welcome home. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the family of God. I had a young, last week there was a young girl that left here. She went home and, and, and she posted on Facebook that she had prayed to receive Christ here. We didn't know that. But man, she went out and she told everybody. Here's the thing. Our job is to tell people, hey man, this is what I've done. Next Sunday we have baptism. And I want to see everyone that has prayed that prayer go public and literally share with everybody that Jesus lives within them by going public with baptism. Praise God. You know, I believe that there's some of you in this room that, man, you, you've been a believer a long time. But you know what? You've, been, you've invited the enemy to sit at your table and you believe a lie. It's time to say, you know what? I need to listen to the shepherd. I want to give you an opportunity. There may be somebody that you want to you just come down to the front. You want to pray. We're going to have a song of response. And so in just a minute, I want to ask everybody to stand. But I, I want to encourage you. Don't let Satan lie to you and tell you, hey, man, you can deal with that later. If he's telling you to deal with it now, come to the altar. Our prayer team is going to be here at the front. And they will be with you. They will be there for you to pray with. We'll have a team back in the back in the VIP room after the service. You can join them there. But I want to just ask you, man, just respond as God leads you to respond. As the Holy Spirit deals with you today, trust Him enough to take a step. I want to ask everybody to stand. Everybody stands. Our, Our worship team is going to lead us in a song. You just respond as God leads you.
bigger than we thought he was, isn't he? He is a great God. He is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for brokenness. God, I thank you for repentance. God, I thank you for changing the way that we think. God, that you care about how we think. And so, God, I pray as we leave this place, God, I pray that you would change our thinking. God, change our thinking as you change our lives. So, Father, we pray this morning, God, just that you would become our focus. I pray this week, God, that we would choose to focus on the great shepherd. God, that Jesus would be who we meet with and who we spend our time with. And, God, that we would look into his word and to his teaching. And we would seek to live according to that. And, Father, we would, we would focus on the truth of your word, not the lies of the enemy. Father, set us free from that whole mentality. I pray for marriages. I pray for homes. I pray for families in this room to be set free from the bondage of old thinking. And, God, that maybe the patterns that we were taught by our family, were, were they were wrong. God, they're broken. God, that we would choose life and we would choose truth. Father, let us walk out of here different today because we've met with you, because of your presence, your power at work within us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.